0: Welcome to Project Wolf Files. My name is John, founder and lead investigator of Project Wolf Paranormal. This podcast will discuss true ghost stories and other supernatural occurrences within New England. Stories will range from ghosts, cryptozoology, aliens, and angels and demons. I'll also be sitting I'll also be talking about certain occurrences that I've had through my years of paranormal investigations. Uh, so sit back and enjoy the show. First uh, topics we're going to be talking about today are going to be Dudley Town Curse. Fairfield County UFO Holy Land USA And The Leatherman All of them based out of New England So let's see what we got going on here Remember folks, these are all just tales None of these are, you know It's up to you whether you figure if they're true or not um, I believe that a lot of them are uh, Like I said, it's just all All listener discretion um, So these are just tales Stories So here we go let's Start with Town. So Death Dementia and Disappearances Dudley Town. The small desert hamlet Cornwall is located about a thousand feet above the village of Dudley Town. You might feel somewhat disoriented and, in- and insignificant beneath the towering trees of the dense forest, where darkness reigns more often than light in the shadows of three surrounding mountains. <clears throat> the terrain is a rock-laden and difficult to traverse, much less cultivate or inhabit the land is hostile, and not just geographically speaking. At least that's what the legends would have you believe. If that's not a good enough reason to stay away, perhaps a 75 minimum uh, minimum dollar fine for trespassing or parking on the property is enough to turn you away. <clears throat> the Dark Entry Forest Association, also known as DEF, uh, has every right to try and preserve the area deemed forever wild. Uh, on the organization's original charter in 1924, they bought it to, uh, for a piece of tranquility. They hoped it would, um, you know, it would, it would benefit them. <clears throat> but Dudleytown is dubbed one of America's most haunted places, and has become legendary for its famous Dudleytown curse Ooh. drawing the curious to the mysterious settlement like moths to an open flame that is until recently uh, when the Connecticut State Police started strictly enforcing the no trespassing rule because of escalating vandalism at the site which always, that's the one thing that I think makes things so much difficult for me getting permission to a lot of places is the fact that kids have just gone and completely dismantled everything everywhere Anyways, back to the story. <laughs> uh, police will now seek out and destroy or prosecute shameless trespassers. So, you've been warned. Don't go there. <laughs> For the time being, merely reading about the strange happenings at Dudley Town will have to, will have to suffice. <clears throat> so, it all started with the beheading of Edmund Dudley, who plotted to overthrow King Henry in England in 1510 but merely decapitating one man apparently wasn't enough punishment for the treason so his entire lineage was cursed though no source seems to say by whom to the effect that all dudley family descendants from that point on would be surrounded by horror and death and so began 400 years of bad luck <clears throat> at least for the Dudleys including those who settled in Dudley Town beginning in 1748 there is some cur- uh, controversy as to whether the three brothers from whom Dudley Town <clears throat> was named so the brothers are Gideon Barzillai <laughs> and uh Abel Abel uh, were even from the original Edmund Dudley image, uh, lineage but there is no question as to the misfortune that b- befell them once they settled once they settled there <clears throat> curse or not something bizarre and destructive began to affect the residents of Dudley town who were in any way associated with the Dudley brothers it began with the mysterious epidemic that killed the entire uh Adorian Carter family, interesting name. In 1774, their relatives, the the Nathaniel Carter family, were so saddened by the tragedy that they packed up and moved to Binghamton, New York. But shortly after their move, Nathaniel and his wife and infant child were killed by Indians, who then took the remaining three children as captives to Canada where two of them were ransomed and the third son a son married an Indian girl. In eighteen oh four, another Dudley resident, Sarah Fye, was struck by lightning on the front on her front porch and killed instantly. Her husband, General Herman Swift, was said to have gone insane at the news of his wife's unexpected passing. Mary Cheney was born in Dudleytown and married Horace Greeley, the former uh the founder of the New York Tribune, who was most famous for his phrase, "Go West, young man," in 1872, she committed suicide a week before her husband lost his bid for presidency. Oof. Then in the late 1800s, John Patrick Brophy's family was struck by the curse. Miss Brophy died of consumption, and shortly afterward, their two children vanished in the woods, never to be found. The Brophy family, uh, home burned to the ground. Though some believe Brophy may have set the fire herself, or himself, regardless, Braffy left Dudleytown and was never seen again. Dudley sat vacant, vacant for about 20 years when Dr. William Clark, a cancer specialist from New York, came upon the site in 1920. He fell in love with the serenity and seclusion of and, seclusion, and purchased the tract of land along, several, along with several friends and colleagues who formed the Dark Entry Forest Association. In the mid-1920s, Dr. Clark was away on an emergency call in New York City and returned several days later to find that his wife had gone completely insane, allegedly following an attack of something terrifying that came out of the forest she hadn't she had to be institutionalized for the rest of her life since that incident. no other such tragedies have been reported by anyone living near Dudleytown. However, many individuals had what they believe were paranormal experiences while visiting the site when it was still uh, when it was still permitted. Unexplainable anomalies have appeared in many people's photographs. The eerie sound of complete silence occasionally gets disturbed by incoherent voices that seem to start from afar and work their way closer and strange shapes even take form before people's eyes including black moving masses that seem to follow individuals and a wolf-like shadow that two people saw watching them from the woods one lady said she had seen she had seen it five times over the course of 20 uh, 25 years that same woman lost her brakes, fleeing the site, and the last time she visited it recently turned out turned out the caliper was snapped completely off. No wonder Dudley town is often considered the most haunted place in New England, and wo- no wonder people are wa- are warned not to go there. They may be disturbing more than just the peace <laughs> so that's a very interesting story about dudley town i've actually been reading about that place a long time That's uh one place i definitely have on my list of uh places to go and investigate um just the whole story behind that place is awesome i've heard a lot of craziness with the whole Dudley town curse and you know most people want to stay away from it. me as an investigator i'm like nope i want to go for it um so yeah very 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 interesting place Uh, i actually know a couple of people i grew up with who actually went out there a couple of times uh but you know, back then we were young So I don't know exactly how far They made it into the place um, So yeah, very, very, very interesting one I like that story a lot the, uh, About the Town curse So let's see Next one, we've got the Fairfield County UFO So aliens, people um, I know a lot of people are skeptic on them I think they're out there um, I don't think it matters what if, if you believe in religion or not How I look at it um, I was raised in a church so how I look at it is, if there is an almighty creator out there creating us and everything else, he didn't just stop there. He made other other worlds, other people, other life forms, uh, some that I'm sure are way more advanced than us, that can make it out to see us, um, especially if you do look at certain uh, like ancient writings, like out in Egypt or Rome, a lot of them depict sky gods, different gods that come down, a lot looking like aliens. So in a way, I think that maybe those were depicted as gods or something, some type of being that came down way back in the day to kind of help us out with building things, pyramids, and giving us knowledge. So I believe that this, yes, aliens definitely could be out there. I don't think it's just us sitting out here floating around in this giant universe. There's definitely more out there. So that being said, let's jump into the Fairfield, uh, Fairfield County UFO. <clears throat> hope you guys are ready for this one. During the 1980s, Hudson Valley was the site of a number of high-profile flaps over UFOs that were witnessed by thousands of people throughout the years. The wave of sightings became known as the Hudson Valley Boomerang Sightings, and the entire region quickly attended UFO hotspot status. While much of the ado focused on New York's Pine Brush, uh, Pine Bush area Fairfield County, Connecticut Was not to be outdone uh, Mark pa- Paco Thoroughly Investigated and documented The sightings of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON Of Connecticut His investigations of Two very active Dates in 1985 And 1989 Euro's born provided detailed accounts of the typical boomerang sightings by most uh, who were fortunate enough to witness the phenomenon. (laughs) According to Paco, in March 21st, 1985, reports of huge UFOs were phoned in uh, to authorities from New New Fairfield, Bethel, Danbury, Trumbull, Bridgeport, Milford, Orange, Derby, Ansonia, Naugatuck, and Middlefield a lot of places like it's uh, pretty much almost all of Connecticut if you think about it Um, most accounts of the sightings in Fairfield County are are fairly similar describing a large round or oval saucer uh, saucer outlined by red and white lights a flattened football a large blimp or an object with red and white lights on its underside It was said to be slower than a plane, very large, like a football field, and either silent or making low humming noises. The UFO was not at all shy of uh, populated areas, often hovering or moving slowly over the major highways I-95 and I-84, Housatonic Parkway, and shopping centers. See, now, things like that I like because you you clearly you're going to have a lot of people who are going to be witnessing the same event, you know, so it's it's a lot more credible when you have a giant group of people seeing things rather than, like, one person saying, oh, yeah, so I've seen this, or whatever the case may be. I definitely like that. more witnesses, the better. Because of the sheer volume of witnesses over such a widespread area, many newspapers reported on the sightings in the days following the light show included the Danbury News-Times, Bethel Homes News, Bridgeport Post, Milford Citizen, Ansonia Evening uh, Sentinel, Middletown Press, and Waterbury Republic. On August 31st, 1989, sightings differed from the 1985 sightings. In that, the object in question was more often boomerang-shaped, although this one also had red and either white or yellow lights around the circumference. The cities of St- uh, Stratford, Trumbull, Shelton, and Bridgeport played host to this UFO, and as with the 1985 sightings, scores of eyewitnesses described the object surprisingly similarly. Again, the object was unconcerned and high vi- uh, <clears throat> and high visibility. Or, sorry, <laughs> the object was unconcerned with high visibility. All witnesses to the aerial anomaly in the skies of northeast uh, northwestern Connecticut that night agreed that the object was very large and angular. With both flashing and steady lights, it was described as V-shaped, L-shaped, or triangular-shaped, sh- similar to the hull of a submarine. And as a floating triangle of lights, it moved very slowly and at a low altitude, hovering just above treetops or uh, or quite side streets for a moment before moving or um, moving away. Both of these UFOs were sighted by thousands of, of witnesses, many of whom were policemen, scientists, and researchers. Through the shape, uh, though the shape different... Uh, From one UFO to the other, four years later, in both cases, everyone agreed that the objects were extremely large, quiet and slow moving and something unidentifiable that they had never seen before. So another thing I like not only with uh, with a lot of the eyewitnesses, but when you get people um, who I like to consider credible witnesses, um, I know it's kind of a weird thing to say, but what I Classify as credible witnesses are what they said here so policemen doctors researchers you know people like that who kind of don't normally have anything to gain off of making these type of things up or trying to uh fabricate things like this Mainly because their reputation is way more on the line with something like this so for them to literally be saying nope i've seen this they're actually saying that they've seen something uh they would not just say that just to say it not in that line of work you know you have to be completely honest and and uh you know more more closed-minded so to say in those type of lines of work you know especially with scientists you know scientists are going to try to debunk everything possible because they think everything goes with science (laughs) so the next one here i've actually been to uh this one was actually pretty cool I didn't really witness anything crazy there. uh, Although this tale that I'm about to tell you is the reason why I went down there. Uh, I want to say the only cool thing that was there was definitely the little, little huts and the big giant cross that overlooks the entire town. So right now we're going to jump into Holy Land, USA. Those of you who haven't heard about it, it's actually a pretty cool little place. Um, very religious place, uh, with the church and all that, um, the tale is pretty interesting. Like I said, when I went there, I didn't experience anything crazy. But the sights are awesome. It's definitely a cool place to go check out and take some pictures. <laughs> so now we'll get into the story of Holy Land, USA. On a hilltop overlooking I-84 in Waterbury is a lit, is a a uh, is a lighted cross with three unlit crosses. see on one, the one in the center uh bearing a likeness of jesus with his right arm missing uh through the i have no idea what that word is (laughs) all right i'm gonna bear with me people through the golgotha i have no idea what that is seen uh has become by default a place a place marker for the city of waterbury It originated as a high-visibility advertisement for Holy Land USA, a miniature biblical land on Slocum Road designed by an eccentric evangelist in 1956. Today, the area lies mostly in ruins, giving it an air of creepiness, even if it's not haunted, but some swear it is. Lawyer and evangelist, John, and, and evangelist John Baptist Greco uh, solicited the help of local volunteers who called themselves the Catholic campaigners of Christ of Connecticut to construct a miniature biblical village. <clears throat> Depicting various scenes from Jesus's life and death, uh, Greco claimed that his orders to build such place came directly from God. Believers flocked here by the thousands during its glory days, but when Greco passed away in 1986, 30 years after Holy Land opened, the nuns to whom he had left, left it to were unable to maintain its care and operation. Eventually, it was closed and fell into ruin. The old white buildings that once made up mini-Jerusalem and the decapitated and uh, dismembered statues of the wise men's camels that remain today must uh, make trespassers feel uneasy. Nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, only one solitary ghost sighting has been reported. In 1985, a year before Greco died, a stunning witness watched a female apparition get into a phantom car near the front gate and drive off, vanishing into thin air before his very eyes. The, in- the incident made the local paper the next day it would have been even more remarkable had they seen a phantom camel carry off a phantom wise man into the night, but we'll take that, No, we'll take what we can get so, like I said that one wasn't really anything too crazy Um, it was just a very interesting story Uh, I saw pictures of the holy land, so I definitely wanted to go there after I had first originally read this little story, Uh, just interesting about the phantom car uh, and the phantom lady getting in it and disappearing Tales like that have been going on for a long time. Uh, So it's definitely a good thing that I like to hear. So the next one we've got here is the Leatherman. Uh, Leatherman, if you guys don't know, never heard of the tales of Leatherman. He's got caves throughout Connecticut. Uh, This guy used to pretty much walk from, from town to town using this trail. In these caves to kinda of live in as he was going throughout, uh throughout his ways. So this one right here is definitely a good one. I liked it. So here we go. We're gonna get into this the Leatherman. <clears throat> so this one's a little 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 lengthy, guys, not not too bad. So we'll see. See how we do here. <clears throat> Alright, let's go. Leatherman. The Leatherman is thought to actually have been one Jules Borglay. Uh born in, in Lyons, France, in the 1820s. He came from a lower middle class family, but fell in love with the daughter of a wealthy leather mer- leather merchant. His only hope of receiving permission to marry her was to prove himself in his and fa- her father's family business. It wasn't long before uh, Bourglay had earned enough trust through hard work and loyalty to be given an important task of purchasing leather in the open market. One fateful day in 1855, however, he made a very large leather purchase at what he believed to be a ridiculously good price. Sadly, he hadn't been keeping up with the news regarding the latest technology in leather manufacturing, the reason such a large amount of leather was being sold so cheap was because the price of leather was about to drop dramatically as a result of a breakthrough in leather in, in leather tanning. The large purchase of leather Burley had made could be sold only at a substantial loss, and that spelled financial ruin for his intended family's business Now Burgley would never received permission to marry a woman he loved. Too ashamed to return to his family, Burgie wandered around Lyons until a physician agreed to take him in. That arrangement worked for 2 years, but then Bulgy disappeared and was never seen in France again. In 1862, a man fitting Bulgy's description showed up in Harlington, Connecticut. The leather may have given him away. May have given him away. Here he began his famous trek. A sort of self-penance, if you will. Penance, sorry, if you will. Borgley became an itinerant, yeah, itinerant, eccentric, with a strange compulsion to walk endlessly in a 365-mile circle between the Connecticut and Hudson Rivers, (laughs) Never straying from his original route, he seemed not to know English, or, or he spoke only in grunts and communed with gestures. <clears throat> so that's got to be imagine seeing that guy walking through the woods, just covered in old ratty leather, and just rah, 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 rah. that'd be pretty pretty bugged out. <laughs> And he was dressed in leather from head to toe In a getup estimated to weigh 60 pounds well, That's a lot But it was well worth its weight in leather For For the uh, protection it afforded him Against years of unforgiving New England winters Anybody who lives up here we know how those winters can get And it got. it was way worse back then You see the leather You see the Leatherman, as he became known, slept only under the stars and in caves along his route. Though he met many kind folks along his way who often who offered him food and lodging, he respectfully declined. He walked more than 10 miles a day for more than 26 years straight, stopping at some caves at the same caves, brah, over and over again. So every. Thirty-four days, he'd end up back, like, in one of the caves that he'd stay, because he's you know walking the circle. Uh, in fact, preparing each cave with fire, or yeah, preparing each cave with firewood for his next stop, there before moving, moving on to the next one. Some of the towns he passed through were Harmington, Bristol, Forestville, Southington, Kensington, Berlin, Middletown, Danbury, New Milford roxbury woodbury watertown and plymouth so now if you think about that and just now with highways and vehicles that's a decent trip if i was to just take my car and drive through each of those towns that's a long time this guy walked it in 60 pounds of leather through all the elements that's crazy Uh, The first and only time he was slowed by the weather was in the blizzard of 1888. In his mid-60s by then, he fell ill and was thrown off his schedule by four days. He eventually died in a cave in Briarcliff Manor, New York, never fully recovering his strength from that illness. His spirit is believed to still linger as it passes through the caves where the Leatherman stopped over and over during life as he makes his way eternally along the familiar route. Some are easier to get to than others, and the one called Leatherman Cave is probably the most popular. On the Matatuck Trail in Watertown, it is best reached by starting at Black Rock State Park in Thompson Thompson, and following the well-marked trail for about two miles into the woods as you climb and uh, the steep and rocky trail leading to the cave imagine how the leather man must have felt repeating those same steps so many times with at least 60 pounds of leather on his back for 30 years <laughs> that's about 360 times that he would do that uh if that's not supernatural i don't know what is so that was the tale of the leather man um very, very interesting tale. Uh, I like that story a lot. It's just just thinking about people's determination back then. I mean, you can barely get people to walk down the road to go to a store, let alone that being your only transportation. You're walking with sixty pounds on you all the time. You know, it's all you're doing, and then you're hunting your own food, catching your own food. You're sleeping outside. It's rain, wind, snow, sleet, everything. That's that that's a lot to me. that's a lot for a human to do. um but he did it back then and it's just funny how you had things like that going on and then now it's to even want to walk down the road. it's like nope, it's a huge task. but back then you had people doing things like this, which is just insane. so that was that was the uh, tale of the leather man. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. So let's see, the last one we're going to do, now like I said, bear with me guys, I'm pretty sure as I go, these podcasts are going to get a little longer, I want to shoot for at least 45 minutes to an hour long podcast, um, but for the first episode, you know, right now we're probably going to shoot just about 30 minutes, but that's fine, you know, I just want to try to get it out there and see how everything's doing. So, uh, the last little story we got, I got for you is, uh, Litchfield County Bigfoot, uh, For those of you who don't know, I also am into cryptozoology, so cryptozoology, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that is the study of, not mythical creatures, but the study of uh, creatures said to not exist, so to say. So, we've got Bigfoot, Chupacabra, Loch Ness Monster, uh, werewolves... pretty much things like that that's what i'm also extremely interested in that's another thing with just doing the research and looking at how things are i mean we yeah it's 2021 now technology is insane but there is i want to say i think there's about 90 percent of woods alone that have been untouched by man So, you gotta think dealing with Bigfoots or creatures like this who have said have been been around since uh, Indians and Native Americans, they were hunted back then. So, they kind of realized that hey, people that look like them stay away from them. And that's why we haven't really seen them. You you get a lot of people going, oh, well, how come we haven't found remains of one or nothing? I can tell you something right now where I live, there's woods around me. I got a nice little thicket of woods. heard fisher cats out there coyotes uh, you name it we got bobcat one was just in my backyard the other day so you could take a a carcass of some sort put it into the woods even where i'm at and i can guarantee you within a week you're not even going to know anything was there there's going to be nothing left of it the animals are going to pick at it and then the insects are going to clear it off and a lot of times other animals will drag it away from the original site Same thing with droppings. You're not going to find just piles of droppings everywhere. All that stuff goes away after a while. And if these creatures are in places that really humans aren't all the time, then, yeah, you're not going to see these things. You know, these things are definitely out there. It's uh, Gigantopithecus. He was, it was actually documented out in Asia that there are these seven-foot-tall humanoid ape things that were living up in the mountains of Asia. And scientists had actually gone in there exploring them Found the remains, found the bones, found the molars, and they actually size up the bones, skeletal structures, and boom—you've got Gigantopithecus, which is a Bigfoot that we know of. Um, so very interesting stuff. They're still out—they're out there. There's definitely things that we don't know of. Uh, so that being said, let's go into the Litchfield County Bigfoot sightings, and then we'll just uh, we'll wrap this up. <clears throat> so. The Bigfoot sightings in Litchfield County are unremarkable uh, to the researcher in that they boast the usual characteristics: large, uh, unexplainable footprints, big, hairy, stinky creatures spotted in remote areas, and eerie screams and screeches. Because we all know that that Bigfoot howl that allegedly they make. Uh, but this is the first time I've heard of a horse being scared to death by Bigfoot. According to the Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization, or GCBRO, in the fall of 1997, a man and his horse had stopped at a stream for a drink when the man noticed a large fo- uh, footprint twice the size of his own in the, in, the, uh, in the steam bed. Then he smelled the telltale odor of a Bigfoot creature, which I heard it just really stinky, musty, I mean, you think about it, you have all this thick, coarse hair, you're not really taking a bath, you know, you're out there in nature with everything else going on, I'm pretty sure you're a pretty smelly, smelly creature, <clears throat> uh, and that was enough to make him ride off quickly, uh, on his horse, with a real live Bigfoot in hot pursuit, <clears throat> Uh, Bigfoot took off after the fleeing man and horse uh, with such raucous that the earth seemed to shake and the branches were heard cracking in its wake the creature easily caught up with the man but thankfully uh, was separated from them by a stone wall still it kept an eerie pace uh, with the with the pair until it was sure they were well on their way away from the area and then it slowed down and finally stopped, but not without a few curious, uh, cursory screams, as if you say, "And don't come back again." <clears throat> no need to worry, though, for the man wouldn't have returned in his life de- if his life depended on it. And his horse never recovered from that traumatic experience and died shortly thereafter. <clears throat> uh, not, a, you know, not a big, big crazy tale, but a tale nonetheless a Bigfoot. Um, I know there's been a couple of, couple of different sightings throughout Connecticut. Uh, I know Rhode Island has the Rhode Island Raugus, which is a Bigfoot on um, the swamps of Rhode Island. So there's, there's been sightings. Um, I always try to take in credibility too, like where the locate, where the sightings happened, you know, like, so if it's in a kind of populated area, I'm not really going to i'm not really gonna believe that because you know at that point yeah you know i could have dressed up in a in a suit and been out there just walking around knowing that eventually someone's gonna pop around because it's a well-known you know hiking area but now if you're talking about just out in the middle of nowhere i'm talking you've been hiking and camping for days if not weeks out in just thickets and brushes of just woods and nobody be seen for miles and, miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles i can understand then yeah okay now i have something i saw something i caught it on camera like that's understandable and a little bit more believable because once again yeah you tell me that right out in the middle of this nowhere there's somebody just randomly walking around hoping that somebody's out there to just see him i don't think so that doesn't sound uh doesn't sound too right to me um i don't i know a lot of people try to do things to get you know famous or get known, but it, it, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't know anybody who would literally risk themselves just go hang out in the middle of nowhere to hope that some rando person decided to hike in that same location just to get a glimpse, you know. Um, yeah, so that that was that. I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. Like I said, it's, uh, it's my first time doing these. I've been on a few podcasts, but I definitely want to uh, start getting into them more and trying to do my own and it'd be great to to do this eventually I hope maybe I can get some people on and we can start doing some more discussions and all that uh so yeah I mean I just not much it's first episode guys just bear with me as I try to get you know whatever kinks worked out and all that but it's definitely going to be a lot more stories a lot more tales uh, a lot more awesome stuff to hear about so definitely I hope you guys enjoyed the show And, uh, yeah, just uh, stay spooky, everybody. Catch you later.